into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? issue of imagine if coming at you right now and i would say this is a very i mean i don't want to say special episode chris <laughs> but you know um we were suggested this by uh, uh ramon uh on our uh on our facebook page uh, also known as curly to us uh he suggested that we do the identity crisis in the DC's DC comics is identity crisis in the Marvel universe. Now I would say the reason why we say this is special is because I would say this is probably the first one that we ever did on our own between the two of us. Like we wanted to know, uh, because identity crisis and Marvel disassembled was so close to each other. Who would, what would the two stories look like in the other worlds? Yeah, definitely. No, like I, I know before we started recording these conversations when we would just be hanging out, yeah, that was the question. It's like, all right, man, how would uh, Disassembled have gone in the DCU? How would Identity Crisis have gone in the MCU? And that's just boom, where where the the dynamite exploded. You know, Imagine If was born, and you know we're we're creating the ultimate, you know, adventures between the two DC universes. So yeah, this one's definitely it's a special episode in our hearts <laughs> and in our ears because you, the listeners, will be like you'll be awe inspired just as well. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I mean, it's very, that's very true. We just, it's kind of like, uh, you know, instead of always doing the whole who would win in a fight, this is the way that we decided to, to look at our comic books and our characters. So it was, it's, it's pretty cool to actually put this one down, uh, on recording. And, uh, I don't know why my dog is barking so much. Well, that's how much he's inspired by this. (laughs) He's like, let me tell you my picks. That that could definitely be it. So, uh, all right. But first, you know, before we get to that, let's go ahead and uh, talk about some comic book news right now. Uh, what do you have for us, Chris? All right. So let's see. Um, on the 26th of August, Marvel put out a teaser. So it's all black with yellow names, Steve McNeven and Colin Bunn. So great writer, great artist. Um, let's see what they're going to do. So in the center, it just says Moo. MU. Now, for us comic book fans, the MU always meant the Marvel Universe, you know? That's just like the DCU, the MU, you know? That's what we always talked about. Right. So it's got the it's got the tagline underneath it, January two, 2017, and it says find out more September 1st, 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time. So I know I'm going to be, you know, whatever's happening that day, I'm canceling all events just so I can be behind my computer and get a first look. Um, <laughs> what does it mean? I don't know. You know, it's it's very brief. You know, could it, you know, um, what could it go for? So in my opinion, I think I, I've got a feeling that this is if we're going back to the MU, the, that branding MU, I think that means we're going back to Marvel Comics. Um Marvel now their their latest big initiative. I mean, it's good. There's been some interesting story, but I think we were kind of we've been touching on this theme a lot. It's it's tough when you buy a Marvel comic book right now because you know let's okay. I know you're a Thor fan. 
Right. So you decide to go into a comic book store and you decide to buy Thor. Well, if you went today, if you went to a comic shop and you picked up the issue of Thor, you're not reading about the Odin son. You're reading about Jane Foster. Right. And I'm not saying Jane Foster doesn't deserve some time in the limelight. I'm not saying that's a bad story. But to me, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if I pick up a comic, I want to read about that hero. You know, so if if I go and buy Captain America, well, you know, are you talking Steve Rogers or Sam Wilson? Um, if you go by Iron Man, are you talking about Riri Williams, who's going to be known as the Iron Heart now? She's Iron Heart. Or will it be Dr. Doom in, you know, the, the infamous Iron Man? So that's, you know, Hulk. It's Adamus Cho, you know. So, I mean, that's the tough part, you know, because these characters, while it is neat that they're getting their moment, but they've usually been, you know, they're their own characters. Now we put them in a different costume and, you know, we call that the big, you know, that's who the character is. So it's, you know, it's definitely a tough sales because, you know, if I go by Black Widow, it is Black Widow. You know, if I go by, well, you know, Ant-Man, but that's Scott Lang. So depending on, you know, if I was a Hank Pym fan, where do I find Hank Pym? You know? So that's a tough thing. So maybe this is kind of their initiative to do, you know, DC's rebirth, do it themselves where, OK, let's go back to let's go back to our legacy. You know, like it's a good idea to probably have Captain America and, you know, maybe alternate storylines instead of giving us two books where you've got a divisive fan base, you know. So I don't know. So it's, it's definitely a lot of chatter, a lot of conversation. It'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. That's, uh, you know, that's that's uh, definitely a thing that they, you know, that they, I mean, they have to look into. Because, yeah, when you have these big blockbuster movies and uh, the point is for them to start driving I mean, not it's not the point. Obviously, the point is to make money, but Marvel <laughs> Comics themselves are hoping to uh, have the people drive from the movies straight into a comic book store so that they can pick up their their books, and they do want it to see, uh, they do want it to look like what they see in the uh, the movies, and we we've seen that go that way for the longest time. I think you know, seeing uh, uh, I don't know what were some of the big changes that they went back to because of of, of movies, uh, probably probably. I think maybe uh, uh, Sp- Spider-Man, you know, uh, I know this is old at this point, but uh, was it Brand New Day, you know, made Spider-Man single again, which is what you saw in the con- in the movie. So we didn't have a uh, Spider-Man that had a wife and a uh, child or anything like that. But I think with uh, the fact that, you know, we're going to eventually have these actors drop out as the character's We've seen them playing, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, Chris Evans is Captain America. Uh, could they be setting up future movies to to be paired to look like what we see in the comic books now? You know, a, a Jane Foster Thor or Autumnus uh, uh, Show Hulk? Because I mean, I mean, honestly, we haven't had a, a successful Hulk movie yet. Hulk's only been really favorable in the Avenger movie so far. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, could they be thinking long term, you know, because obviously it's funny because the comics used to drive the films and now we live in an era where, you know, yeah, what what, what profit are you gaining from a comic book versus the movie? So obviously the movie's going to be the big de facto story. And exactly, you know, like, OK, what's the status of Chris Evans as Captain America? So we, we know um, Sebastian Stan and um, I can't think of the actor who plays the Falcon, Howard Mackey. You know, those guys, they've got longer contracts because they, they, you know, they've joined the Marvel Universe later or they they signed for, you know, longer deals. So it's like, yeah, could we potentially see, you know, a Bucky Cap film, uh, Cap Falcon film, you know, because once Chris Evans is off contract, 
you know, they want to expose that fan base. Um, so who knows, you know, maybe that could be what the comics are doing is laying the potential stories. So that way when the filmmakers come, they can pick up that comic and be like, okay, how do we want to expand on this? It's, it's an interesting thought. It is. It is. It very much is. Reminds me of, it's kind of like the DC universe of, I want to say probably when we joined the, the late nineties, you know, so you had Aquaman in the, you know, beard and, and long hair with the hook, you know, Superboy was very punky teen, uh, green arrow. Well, you know, Connor Hawk, Kyle Rayner. And it's funny. Cause we, we always put Wally West in that group, but I mean, Wally was silver age, you know, and he was flash a good 15 years before that. But you know, <laughs> we, we were, we had Bart Allen coming into that and, you know, it was interesting. So you had those characters where they were, you know, these were, this was the next generation. But, you know, if Marvel was smart, you know, it's like, okay, well, you, you create those characters, but definitely get them into a, you know, a good support role. Don't make them the main because people, you know, people are going to be like, well, yeah, we like, you know, the Falcon, but we want Captain America. You know, if I'm reading Captain America, I want Steve Rogers, you know, so it's kind of like the Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner thing, you know, where it was like, okay, well, DC was smart. They finally had it that, how Jordan and Kyle Rayner embraced, you know, like, okay, I accept you, you accept me. So then the fans were kind of like, okay, we'll stop fighting each other because the heroes do, you know? Right. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, like as bats, you knew it was temporary. You're as real out of it. So if you're smart, you know, get the character there, but you know, beef him up, get his own thing going. Cause it's funny. Cause you know, Azrael, he, what had the mini series became the substitute dark Knight, and then went on to his own book. Um, you know, Falcon, I mean, you've had that character since the seventies. He's obviously very established, you know, hopefully with this time as Captain America, once that story comes to a conclusion, hopefully this leads to, all right, now we have a Falcon book, you know, get a good 80 issues out of it and tell some great stories that way, you know, Sam Wilson has a stronger hold in the DCU. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that, uh, they don't, they don't think of it that way too. I mean, cause that's what. That, I mean, that's the whole point is to have more books for more people and more diversity so that, you know, more people are, are, are buying stuff. And, you know, for the longest time when I was buying comic books, it's like, oh, well, you know, Sam Wilson's, uh, you know, book is going to be split off and they're going to have, well, I guess I'll get that book too. So, <laughs> which led to, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a 45 book a month habit. So that wasn't good either. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. We all start with Justice League or Avengers. The next thing you know, like, hey. This Batman fellow, he seems pretty cool. And oh, now I'm reading Robin. Now I'm reading Batgirl. Now I'm or, selling my house. <laughs> or all of a sudden, I'm reading I'm reading Teen Titans, and they're like, "Oh, follow the rest of the story in Doom Patrol." I was like, "Oh, well, I guess I got to buy Doom Patrol now." <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and the the comic book stores are smart because they know, okay, I got to pull that issue of Doom Patrol. Even though I know you only need issue 31 because it's the tie-in, but let me order you issue 32 and 33. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do? We buy it. <laughs> but then again, you know, that's how some, that's sometimes how you find some of your favorite characters that you didn't know about. So that oh, could, exactly. that's always that, good too. Could yeah, you, no, that's, that's, that's the beauty of it, you know? Could you imagine that the, you know, if we ever had a uh, Doom Patrol movie? Oh my gosh, you know, that's what's, well it's it's funny because doom patrol like i i've actually been tempted to go back and read i guess mid 90s grant morrison did a big run on doom patrol and it was very like groundbreaking stuff um and it's funny that you selected doom patrol because they actually have a book coming up here um dc's launching this i think they call it dc animal kind of like 
Um, you remember Vertigo? Yeah. So, so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be Doom Patrol on this new. I don't know, like not not necessarily. Like, I guess it's just Doom Patrol without all the continuity. You know, and so they're they're doing a couple books. Like they've got Cave Carson. So basically, uh, like a uh, Doom Patrol anthology book. Just they're gonna just pick and choose certain random adventures for them to go on, and and we'll see the stories. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because okay, they're calling it an imprint, Young Animal. So I, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but it's basically headed by the musician, comic book writer Jared Way. And so pretty much, like, yeah, they're just gonna be like, okay, let's let's do some stuff. Let's get some really good looking visuals. Let's take these comic book characters and just go to town on it. You know, so. Um, you know, because I guess they were talking about like the big thing is they want to do black light comics, and I'm kind of like, all right, like so. And it's funny because with Gerard Way, he's a writer, not an artist. You know, so that, that's kind of interesting to see that, that you know that's what they're going to do. But yeah, they got Doom Patrol is going to be the launch point. Jade, the Changeling Girl, uh, Cave Carson has a robotic eye, and I think it. Well, I know it's Dead Man, but I forget the subtitle. It was like man house of love or you know haunted mansion of love or something like that so it's you know it'll be interesting to see what they're gonna do with it all right well that's awesome did you uh have some more news i had some movie news if you want me to get to that well see, uh, a couple of things so i guess um actually dc comics has been doing great with rebirth they've actually managed to beat civil war 2 and all the stars Star Wars, that's a that's a huge change in the market because most of the time Marvel dominates. So I found that interesting. So definitely if you need more reason to go shop and get Rebirth, you know, the numbers are out there. The fans are enjoying it. They're going into stores, buying some stuff. Um, I myself, this last week on, on Wednesday when the new comics come out, I went to a store and I picked up a copy of Blue Beetle Rebirth. Um, I enjoyed it. It was so much fun. Um, this one, this book is great because we have a lot of play between Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle we grew up with, and Jaime Reyes, the Blue Beetle who, you know, was the successor to Ted Cord. Um, the tragedy of Ted Cord was they killed him. <laughs> you know, they just straight up bullet in his head and made sure to show you the hole in his head. You know, like he's not coming back. Um, <laughs> but that was pre New 52. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was a guy. I was pre. Well, that's. You know, that's what brought us back. Well, that's what led to Ident uh, Infinite Crisis. Infinite which, Crisis, yeah. You know, brought back the, the multiverse and all that. So that was interesting. So definitely a great comic, a fun read. You know, like, I think what's neat about that comic book is it was fun and lighthearted. You know, like, honestly, when I was reading that, it took me back to, like, when I was reading Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, know, wow. When that book first started. So it was just so much fun. So not only did I get a great comic, but I also hope you don't mind, but I found a new comic shop, so obviously I've, I've moved out of town, and I'm, I'm settling into where I'm at now. Um, so great little store. It's Fantastic Worlds Comics over in Scottsdale area. Uh, it's a family-owned business. It's awesome. Uh, I like their setup, and, you know, something that was cool, like, as a comic book geek, you know, they've got a collection of, like, CGC comics and um, just old comic books and stuff like that. So, I mean... You know, I was walking around. And it's like, oh my god! There's the first X Men, the first Spider Man, the first Thor, the first Daredevil. You know, like it's just crazy to to actually be in the same room as those comics. So definitely, if you're in the Scottsdale area, if you're traveling by, go check them out. Fantastic Worlds Comics, the little guy, and it's always a plus thing. So, but yeah, definitely go check out Blue Beetle Rebirth. Um, another book that's coming real quick here, and I definitely want to check it out. Uh, Mark Wade is teaming up with artist Ed Bennis 
and they're going to call it's called the rise and fall of axiom so basically um we have you know another uh pair of superheroes that are aliens they come to our planet but they are just they they go you know crazy it's like all right you know this is it we're we're taking you over we're ruling you we're we're crazy despots so it kind of makes me think of oh what was it uh irredeemable right irredeemable and um when he had his superman who he was doing the right thing and then something bad happened so oh yeah 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 apart and yeah and you know started being evil so this is probably gonna be boom studios yeah so it's, it's probably gonna be very similar to that um definitely obviously a different twist you know why why did he become you know why did he go from savior to nightmare what happened uh, so that comes out of a, a comic book company called Legendary. So it's just going to be an original graphic novel. So, you know, probably a hardcover trade paperback. So I definitely want to probably pick it up myself. One. And yeah, I think that was about it. I mean, obviously, every week we've got more coming out of DC and Marvel. DC's continuing its rebirth storyline. Um, Action Comics just wrapped up. So a lot of clues as to what's going to happen there. We saw Doomsday get picked up by this watchman type guy maybe it's ozymandias maybe it's not so definitely some good stuff to follow through there so what do you got what what happened in the tv news stuff our well, tv film stuff there's actually yeah movie some a little bit of movie news that i caught over the week uh and they're both about civil war and i imagine a lot of the news is coming out right now because uh the blu-ray is going to be coming out pretty soon but we had the russo brothers uh talking about civil war and at, at one point in time uh it was a heavy consideration to have both the red hulk show up so uh general thaddeus ross turned into the red hulk and also the iron spider suit uh to be worn by spider-man in the in the movie which would make sense because that's when that's where we got the iron spider suit was in you know the civil war comic book and it was given to peter parker by uh tony stark tony stark yeah yeah so uh it would have been it would have been kind of cool to see that particular suit show up in the in the movie but uh, I think everybody's pretty much okay with what they saw from Spider-Man at this point. I mean, from the sounds of it, that's kind of <laughs> what, what a lot of people's like favorite part of the movie was. So, yeah, uh, what was it, Tom Holland? I can't Holland. Yeah, I think he he definitely knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did a great job. Um, and well, then, something I don't know if you caught wind of that they had uh, what was it, him and Chris Helmsworth? They actually stepped out and went to a children's hospital and hung out with kids. So that's awesome, you know. And wait, Marvel's- Tom Holland did. I think it's yeah, Tom, Tom Holland. Tom Hiddleston did as Loki. Oh, you're right. Never mind. I, these people and names. I guess that's important. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Thor and Loki went out to children's hospitals and 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 sat with the sick kids. But which I was I also thought was funny because you know, uh, I mean Loki in the movies is the bad guy. He's the, <laughs> he's the bad guy of the, of the story. But uh, you know. Hiddleston does such a great job as Loki that he's so charismatic and people just love him. Like the year after uh, Avengers came out, I think he was at San Diego Comic-Con dressed up as Loki and he came out on stage and he did his whole speech from Avengers about how, you know, you're going to, you're going to bow down to me and you're going to get ruled and uh, you're going to be okay with it. And everybody was just screaming, yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> right? This guy is talking about taking you over and making you a slave, and you're okay <laughs> with it. But you know what? Yeah. He's just that cool, so okay. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, we don't we don't care that he's the bad guy. He's just so so charming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
then the other uh, piece of uh, Cap- Captain America Civil War news, and I think that the Russo brothers commented on, and this was during an interview with the Huffington Post, I believe, uh, and me and you also talked about this at the end of Civil War, because it's very obvious that Captain America or Steve Rogers, uh, after b- battling uh, Tony Stark, he throws his shield down. So you and I both talked about is like, does this mean he's not going to be Captain America anymore? And if he's not Captain America anymore, uh, will will he take on one of his other personas that he had throughout the you know his run as Captain America or Steve Rogers' run as a superhero? And uh, the Russo brothers actually went out and said that you know at this point uh, he's not going to be Captain America anymore. He 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 won't be in his next the next time you see him he won't be Captain America. So uh, what does that mean? Do, will will we see like U.S. agent? Will we see uh, nomad? Nomad? Yeah, you know. <laughs> That's uh yeah that's that's going to be real interesting you know that's going to be cuz yeah i mean like you know in terms of marketing and and you know toy sales and all that it's like yeah how how are we going to you know how, you, you can't really just be like oh it's steve rogers you know cuz even the comics couldn't sell it that way so yeah, it's going to be interesting. What is he going to be? Who is he going to be? What do we call him? Yeah. <laughs> Cap, you can't say that. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I I can't wait. I think the next movie we'll probably see Steve Rogers in is uh Infinity War. Um, yeah, I think that's the the next next part of the serial, the big onslaught that is the MCU story. <laughs> I mean, unless he makes some kind of cameo in Guardian of the Galaxy Volume Two or Doctor Strange or I don't know, Black Panther probably comes out before Infinity War, I believe. Ooh, I need to remember my schedule, but yeah, you know, now that could be something. Can you imagine at the end of Doctor Strange, you know, here comes, you know, Steve Rogers, and he's like, "Hey, um, I have need of a man of your talents for a team that I'm on." You know, he's like, "What?" <laughs> totally out of left field. Here's here's Cap and and Doctor Strange going, you know, hand in hand on stuff. That would be uh, quite the change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, all right, uh, and did you? If you had, didn't have anything else, I think we can go ahead and get on to our challenge. Yeah, no, nothing else there. Just, you know, um, keep enjoying comics as always. <laughs> uh, all right. Then we are going to try and cast the identity, DC's identity identity crisis in the Marvel Universe. Now, not to give, get confused with the already identity crisis that's in the Marvel Universe as a oh, Spider- the Spider-Man, the story, Spider-Man yeah. story. And I want to tell you this. When I first started collecting Spider-Man comic books, that's the story I jumped up on. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what? I love that story. The Spider-Man identity crisis. I love the four the four identities. So I'm going to just talk about this just for a little bit. So, you know, uh, Norman Osborn frames Peter Parker or Spider-Man for killing a, a small-time criminal named Joey Z uh, by filling his lungs with web fluid. So at this point, uh, there's a bounty out for Spider-Man's head or a, uh, uh, I don't know, what, what's the other word? Reward. So uh, he decides to give up this. Peter Parker gives up the Spider-Man persona at the po- at the moment, uh, and comes up with four different uh, costumes or costume identities to either clear his name or continue doing good. Now the two identity co- identities were the Hornet and the and Prodigy, which uh, were heroes, and the other two were Dusk and Ricochet, which were criminals. And the idea would be for the criminals to get uh, in the underworld and and try and clear Spider-Man's name. And, uh, you know, we finally, eventually you come up with, uh, I think it was 
Jack Lantern that was the actual person that killed the crook under Osborne's uh, tutelage or, uh, you know, order. He was the hired gun. Yeah, he was the hired gun. <laughs> and uh, and out of that came the the Slingers book, which for teens took on the identities that Spider-Man had created and then eventually gave up to become a super team. And I read those books too. And I loved them. And I, I, it was, it, it, I don't want to say pissed me off, but it was sad that to, to see that they didn't keep, keep going. Uh, I guess, I mean, out of the four identities that he cho- that he created, I think Ricochet was probably my favorite. Uh, he's supposed to be a mutant that had the ability to, you know, have great accuracy with these throwing discs that he had uh, and, and could jump. So, you know, because Spider-Man had to incorporate some of his natural abilities, but mask them as something else without giving away that he was Spider-Man. So, yeah, that's the, I remember, I remember seeing the, the poster for uh, Identity Crisis and you had uh, the four, you had Fighter, Spider-Man in four poses and he was split in half with uh, four different costumes. And I was like, I really need to find out what this story is about. Why is Spider-Man dressed up as all these other guys? And to, yeah. me, to me, it was just, it was, it was an incredible story, but I mean, obviously it wasn't well received for, by others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's one of those ones, like, honestly, I, I, I rib you about it, but it was, it was a fun one. Cause I remember that too, the poster with the four different heroes and just visually looking at them. Like I remember prodigy stuck out, you know, and they were like, Oh yeah, he's going to be a captain America type guy. And I was like, cool. You know? So that was kind of the one I, I followed, you know, I thought he was a really neat looking character. And just visually, I loved his mask, that kind of helmet look with the chrome trim on it and the, you know, the, the pointy ears. I thought that was just a cool looking character. Yeah, and he was completely golden and he had a cape. Like, I mean, the fact that Spider-Man was jumping around in a cape just, you know, made it that much more uh, regal. And, you know, and Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson is, jumps on, on Prodigy is like, this is what a superhero is supposed to be, you know, like yeah. totally trumping him up, not knowing that it's also Spider-Man, one of his, one of the people that he hates the most, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that was the best part about it, yeah, because you, you totally have J. Jonah Jameson like, oh, this guy's good, this guy's bad. But in reality, it's like, no, it's all the same guy. you guy hated your whole life. <laughs> okay, <Jerk>. n- <laughs> enough talking about that, about Spider-Man. Who do we okay, – let, let's break down the actual story of Identity Crisis in the DCU first before we get on to our cast. Okay. All right, well, so a big thing for me that I wanted to toss out there. So I remember it was the year 2004. Um, the publication date is August. So what does that mean? That probably would have been May, May, June. So identity crisis number one hits the, the, you know, the comic book market and it's like, all right, what's this all about? And so of course you pick it up because at the time it had the word crisis in it and crisis is huge in the DC universe. What does it mean? So you pick it up and the first issue, just man, right. It explodes in your hands. You find out Sue Dibney is, is killed. You know, she was pregnant. She's killed the funeral. And then at the end of it, I just remember that mad pissed off, angry look on Ralph Dibney's face, you know, and you really got to give a huge shout out to rags Morales, the artist, because man, he did some beautiful work. I mean, I just remember, uh, you know, when, when, when Ralph comes home to find Sue's body and he's wrapped around her and he can't even hold his face together and he's screaming, you know, I was just like, Oh my God, that, that was insane, you know, and then later on in the book, boom, you just see the anger and rage inside of inside of Ralph's face, you know, like that would have been a perfect moment for, you know, the red ring to just come up and be like, Ralph, <laughs> Ralph, you have great rage. It's like, oh, man, this was nuts. So, yeah, actually, it was June 9th of 2004. That was its release date. So that that changed the face of the DC universe. 
um, you know, uh, still a new writer in terms of the DC comics, you know, Brad Meltzer, uh, all he had done prior to that was just, he had written some green arrow, you know? So it was kind of like, okay, you know, what, what's this guy going to do? Yeah. He and actually then, picked up uh, green arrow right after Kevin Smith had left. So it was, yeah. it was, uh, it was, and the fact that the, another big fact of the matter is that he wasn't a normal comic book writer. He was a, a novel writer. He wrote like mysteries and, and stuff like that. So, uh, the fact that he did this identity crisis really flows like a mystery novel. Uh, yeah. To the uh, most You could definitely tell. Yeah. yeah. He's right into his style with that whole, you know, based in truth. Here's the, you know, here's what has happened. Here's what it leads to. Here's the fallout. Yeah. He, he definitely wrote a murder suspense novel in terms of DC comic books, which was a great story. Um, you know, because like we, we always talk about there's ages of comics, you know, so like showcase number four, we know that is the start of the Silver Age in terms of comic books. I would argue, you know, I, I don't know, I don't haven't come up with a cool name or, you know, what element to use. But I mean, Identity Crisis number one was definitely the start of a new age for DC Comics. And then mirroring that the next month, Avengers 500 comes out and it does the same thing. You know, the first three pages, we see a dead jack of hearts walk into the avengers mansion blow it up killing scott lang um you know it was just it was nuts so i mean yeah back-to-back months i mean it was you know i remember keeping a checklist of trying to write down what just happened you know collateral <laughs> damage because the marvel and dc universes man they're, they're going crazy <laughs> so it's also good to mention that uh ralph dibney is also the superhero known as the elongated man Yes, yeah. Um, Silver Age character first appeared in the Flash comics. Um, actually, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he predates Mr. Fantastic. Um, yeah, but 1960, not, just barely, yeah. So but not Plastic they're, they're, Man. Yeah, well, that's true, yeah. So, But it's funny because a lot of people always, you know, oh, Elongated Man's a ripoff of, you know, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> no, it turns out they're both ripoffs of, <laughs> you know, um, a plastic man well know, so that is kind of funny i do th- I, I do and, and sue dibney is also just his wife she doesn't have any superpowers of her own but the two of them have in the in in i don't know retcon history or not but in uh have come become known to be known as like a, a super detective couple so ralph dibney i think even in identity crisis i'm i want to say uh batman says something about ralph dibney dibney being the like third best detective in the world after him well, of course. <laughs> I like how Batman pays a compliment. Like, you're good. I mean, I'm better. But you're good. <laughs> well, he is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that totally needs to be in the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it won't be. Uh, so, yeah. Then, at, at, at so, even more so than probably, at least the way they depict it in the book, more so than, like, Superman's death... This is a, a death that brings together all of the DCU, uh, I mean, hero-wise, and, you know, shows the sadness of how all these heroes, they have significant others that technically don't have uh, superpowers and, and might be very vulnerable to the lifestyle that they live. And Sue Dibney is the one, or is even maybe the, the you know, the baby that they're expecting are the ones that have to pay for the lifestyle that they, that these heroes want to live. Yeah, that was a that was a tough thing about the loss of Sue because not only was it her death but it was also the death of their child. Um so that was that was very very tough and plus the manner of how she was killed, you know, she was set on fire. 
Yes, you know, exactly. Like, wow. And that was kind of cool because obviously your inner detective should have been, okay, why was the body burned? You know, what was the whole purpose of that? Which was cool. As you read the story, you'll, you'll discover the murder mystery behind that. So then at the at the funeral of Sue Dibney, you get some of the superheroes talking to each other about, like, who who could this be? Why, why was it done? And stuff like that. And a, a basically a secret, a JLA secret from the past rears its ugly head. <laughs> And uh, I, we get Green Arrow talking to, at the way they depicted in the story is two of the younger members of the JLA, two members that wouldn't have been there when this decision was made because their their older counterparts were there were part of the team. So you have Kyle Rayner, the Green Lantern, and Wally West, the Flash, who their counterpart, their older counterparts being Barry Allen and uh, Hal Jordan, uh, were part of the team and had to make a decision because something terrible happened. Yeah, paying for the sins of the father almost. Yeah. So in the past, uh, when they were using, instead of the watchtower on the moon that they have at this point, they had the orbiting satellite, uh, which I don't know, did they ever have that as a, a name for that satellite? It, just uh, it was just the Justice League satellite. That's, that was pretty much as original as it got. <laughs> so the Justice League was in a satellite orbiting the Earth, and uh, Ralph, being a member of the JLA at this point, Sue was up in the satellite, and oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, so pretty much, yeah. The, the Justice League went out to go stop, uh, you know, go do some superheroing, and and Sue was hanging out in the satellite, and you know, while she was just looking at the stars and whatnot, yeah. Somehow, um, Doctor Light, the original Doctor Light, who was a villain, not the superheroic Doctor Light, yeah. Doctor Light comes in, and you know, he's walking around. He's like, oh, this is great because you know now I've discovered where the. Uh, you know, where the superheroes are, where their, where their secret headquarters is. So he's checking out and yeah, he, he finds Sue Dibney there. And, um, this led to a big backlash scene, uh, because obviously it, it kind of, it, it puts some darkness on the silver age, you know, but yeah, we have, uh, Dr. Light rapes Sue Dibney. He's raping her. And what was even, uh, harsh about that scene is, you know, the, the JLA come back and, you know, they're all happy. They've just celebrated another win. You know, hey, we beat some bad guy. And then they, they come in to see this. And next thing you know, they just brutally, you know, attack attack Dr. Light. You know, stop him in the middle of this. And the crazy part about that, what I remember, was just kind of how, like, embolted and enraged he looked. You know, Dr. Light did. You know, he's just, like, so animalistic, you know. Right. And, um, and actually, if, if you do read the graphic novel, um, it's very vital that you recognize that scene because, you know, we see Zatanna, Black Canary, um, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Hawkman, you know, they're all attacking Dr. Light. And then that scene's going to come up later on and you're going to see something different. Right. So, yeah, uh, after they've subdued him and chained him up, uh, this is the point where the team decides or, or the team or actually it's Hawkman who comes up with the idea first. He's like, there needs to be something worse than just throwing him, locking him up because you know, this, he's done something very terrible. And he suggests that, that he, they wipe the, the, the memory out of his, out of his brain. And (coughs) Zatanna says, I mean, Zatanna comes up with the, you know, that I can do that. She has the power to do something like that. And, uh, green arrow probably being the most, uh, vocal against it saying you know what are you talking about you you want to wipe away his mind you know you want to 
you know, take away, take that away from him. And he's like, well, I don't want to take, you know, Hawkman's, I'm not suggesting we, we might wipe his mind completely, but he shouldn't have this, this memory. He, you know, what if it was uh Carol or what if it was, uh, uh, Black Canary, Iris, which, or yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, that Starts comes putting up. Putting out the loved ones. Yeah, exactly, and but that also the Iris comes up uh, uh, very promptly in the in the story, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, the team starts to divide on who, what what they should do because you have Black Canary saying, you know, no. Uh, Hal Jordan says no. Oliver Queen says no. Uh, Adam Ray Palmer says yes. Hawkman says yes. Zatanna says yes. So. The last person we have is Barry Allen, the Flash, and I think uh, they, it, it, Oliver Queen, when he's telling the story to uh, Ray, Kyle Rayner and, and Wally West, he says, "You know, Iris had just died, and it was very fresh in, in Wally's mind, and, and it definitely, you know, probably helped put it over the edge for Wally or for Barry to uh, finally say, yes, it, we should do this.'" Yep. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Uh, Green Arrow quotes. It was less than six months after Iris died. And obviously, if you read about the death of Iris West, you know, that, that, that kind of made Barry a little bit darker for a while there in the comics because, you know, his love, his anchor was taken from him and violently, too. Right. Exactly. So yeah. uh, they the team, you know, goes with the, the majority vote and Zatanna uh, wipes the brain uh, or wipes the memory from Dr. Light's head. But. They also make a slight adjustment. They also make him more of a buffoon, a moron, a uh, you know, taking kind of almost like a, a frontal lobe lobotomy, you know. Yeah, yeah, they definitely turned him into a, a bumbling idiot. So that's why it explains. Oh, you know, his first appearance is in the Justice League, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, he fights the Teen Titans all the time. And it's like, oh, that's the reason they they took those memories, and then also they what shifted his personality. Yeah, gave him that brain mixer. <laughs> right. So yeah, that he was basically just a a tool or a, uh, a target for the young teen heroes to practice against something that they knew, they knew that the teen heroes wouldn't technically get too hurt with. Yeah. So that, and then that was an interesting way he phrases that, you know, like all you do is you made me a toy for your sidekicks. Right. So, uh, this at that point, you know, uh, I, they, it, I, I think I, and I remember at the funeral and this was a very big panel for me when, they said, you know, something to the point of like, what did what did Batman say? What did Superman say? You know, what did you know? What did these other people say? And they said, well, they weren't part of it. You know, they weren't there that day. And and then something about uh, uh, it's what, how how you keep a secret from Superman. You know, when he can, you know, and he says, well, some people just, or I think Oliver says, some people just don't hear what they they decide what they don't want to hear. And the the panels even zoom in on Superman's ears like he, he knows that they're he like you know that he can hear them having this conversation yeah i thought that was kind of cool because yeah i think um i know superman was flying back home to visit his ma to make sure she's okay and you have that really good exchange between ollie and wally you know and they're talking and it's like come on superman hears everything and that's when ollie just breaks it to him he's like look kid people hear what they want to hear you know, and it was like, wow, that was that was a big moment. Yeah, know, because a really big moment. I mean, it, it's it, it's hard it's hard to say this because I'm a huge Superman fan, but you know, he has to. It's almost like he has to keep that brand of I'm a Boy Scout, I'm the Big Blue. You know, you know, and so he has to turn the blind eye to the bad things that you know some of his fellow superheroes might do to get the the means done. You know, uh, yeah. 
so he has. Well, it's the- almost like, and it's actually it's pretty good. I think it really plays some seeds because it shows Superman making a hard decision. You know, like it's funny because obviously if Batman had those powers and Batman made the decision, they'd be like, oh, it's okay because he's you know he's Batman, so he did it. Right. Um, in this sense, I think Clark, you know, he really sat down and thought about, it and he's like, yeah, if if I expose this secret, what the the action that the league just did. The Justice League is going to be destroyed, which is true, because if you ever read the, the sequel, Crisis of Conscience, that's exactly what happens. Once, you know, the Justice League secret gets out there about the mind wiping, the Justice League is disbanded. You know, it's like, yeah, we can't work with each other. Let's let's call it quits. And I, and I and think so, you're, you're completely right, because in Crisis of Conscience is when Batman figures it out, right? Or he figures yeah, out that when, he got wiped, too. Well, now I think he. I think he, he. I think they hint that he knew about it in Identity Crisis, but now that's where we finally see his big reaction to it. Because like, he okay. walks in, or he, he he walks in through the teleporter right when, right after it happens, or something like that, and he. Gets well, yeah. Real so upset. after the rape happens, and then yeah, once they uh, once they're mind wiping Doctor Light, as shown in Identity Crisis, and this is all in Identity Crisis still. We see Batman walk in, and he's like, "What are you guys doing to him? What are you doing? What are you doing?" And then. Zatanna just freezes Batman, and there he is frozen in front of him. And if I remember, I think the art, they even show, like, even though his body is frozen, he can still react. And you kind of see his eyes looking, and he's got this moment of sadness because, yeah, exactly, his friends, you know, regardless of them being, you know, for or against, they decide, you know, no, we're going to, we're totally going to do it. We're going to mind wipe Batman. And so after that, you know, that, that explains, you know, now we, we totally can justify, um, you know, Tower of Babel and why Batman keeps these secret boxes on how to defeat his friends because, you know, subconsciously he knows that they were inside his head, so, inside his mind. And I think this brings up, to me, brings up a point because uh, just like you were saying a second ago, and this, and this also ha- ties in with Identity Crisis because after Oliver Queen tells this story to Wally West and, and Kyle Rayner, the two of them really throw a lot of backlash on the on the members that are there that that voted on this and they're like how could you do this this is terrible and stuff it's like you weren't there at the moment you didn't know what was going on you didn't i mean i could see kyle and wally both eventually voting for yes or voting for yes for this to happen you know and uh i think the same thing with batman if batman had been there i think he might have come up with this idea on his own too but since he wasn't included in the in the vote he vote he's he's so upset about it. Not 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 that he's upset that he wasn't he wasn't included in the vote, but it's more of like he can take the the moral high ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, that's what's funny because yeah, imagine you know maybe this could be a good imagine if later on, but yeah, imagine if Batman was part of that discussion, would he be a for or against? I'd say he'd be a for because he's got that harsh justice, and it's like no, nope, if we can take a. Actually, no, I guess he would probably definitely be against, you know, because if you think about injustice, he's always the guy who stands and he wants to keep that moral high ground. So it's like, no, let's let's put him in an easy, escapable jail and, you know, we'll go get him next week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like Kyle, I could definitely see Kyle being four, because if you think about it, when he had the power of ion, he started making choices. You know, he started making stronger choices. And And actually, I I was going to say, actually, this story takes place right before he, he becomes ion, too. Doesn't it? I thought it was after because that's when he had the Jim Lee the Jim Lee dog collar suit, which everybody used to make fun of. Yeah, but I think and I so, think it's right after that that he becomes he he starts. I, I, maybe maybe you're right. That's neither here nor there, though. <laughs> yeah, but but in my opinion, I think Kyle would have been. So I, I kind of see like Barry and Hal 
acting one way, but then Kyle and Wally going towards the other. So like, I, I definitely see Wally being like, Nope, I don't care. I never would have, I never would have voted yes, even with the death of Iris on my mind, you know, and I could see Wally voting yes because, you know, again, Hey, you know, he, he suffered because of Alex, you know, his girlfriend, when he first got the ring, she was killed. Oh, you mean Kyle? So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Did I say, well, yeah. yeah he said and so I could see, you know, like, Hal and Wally siding the same, and then Kyle and Barry siding the same. Interesting. So it's funny because obviously the, the successors would have switched sides. Yeah. At least that's how I'd view it. No, I, I, and, and they even mentioned that in the book, you know, that uh, certain people take certain sides because they have the memory of dead dead parents and dead loved ones to to fuel them into that, that side. But, uh, all right. So, you know, the big review, I mean, we, we, there's a whole bunch of story in this, and there's a lot of great stuff. Uh, if you if you haven't read the story, you really should. You really probably shouldn't be listening to this right now. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the story, we find out who the real killer is. Who Because the, they, they suspected Dr. Light for the longest time, but, you know, it wasn't him. So... Yeah, it turns out this is a whole different motive, whole different, um, you know, they were being chased, they were being led on a crazy chase just to cover up the tracks, and, you know, the, throughout the book, they, they hint at the idea, who benefits, who benefits, who benefits, and so obviously, when your loved ones are being killed, who benefits? Your surviving loved ones, your friends' loved ones, because now people come home, and they spend that extra night in the house instead of going out. And some of the big... So finally, we put a piece together. Yeah, because some of the bigger, the bigger clues was uh, uh, Dr... Peter Cross or yeah, Pietro Cross or Peter Cross or however you say yeah, Pietro Cross, um, the the third incarnation of Doctor Midnight. He him finds... and Mister Terrific. Yeah, they they do the autopsy and they find the little footsteps on the brain. Footsteps on the like, brain. Wait. Yeah, little footsteps on the brain. Who could that be? And obviously, you're thinking little, so it must be the atom. And then part of the theme of throughout the book, um, you know, at the part of what we see in the book is the atom is about to sign divorce papers to his ex-wife Jean Lorning. They're getting flirtatious. At one point, she's attacked by the serial killer. Adam saves her. Adam stays with her. They're, they're obviously getting very intimate. And one night when they're you know about to go to bed, you know, she's like, oh, you know, did you – and I don't want to put the spoiler out there. But, you know, she's like, oh, did you hear about this? And he's like, oh, yeah, Batman's going to take care of that. But then he takes a moment. He's like, wait, how would you know? And then, bam, you know, the truth gets laid out. And I'll let you discover that on your own in the comic book pages. But I will say this. One of my favorite panels in comic books ever. It's right after Adam's walking away from being a hero and he just shrinks down and the words are, you know, like I've never felt so small in my life, which is a big sentence for a small character like the Atom. But as he's shrinking down, just clutching his fist and screaming into the rage. Oh man, I, that was probably one of the saddest, strongest panels in comic books for me. I I thought it was beautiful. Um, Just rags Morales really captured the pain in that character at that moment. Well, so yeah, we, we come to, Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I think that, I mean, unfortunately for me to do, to do my, my whole list of, of characters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, so we know the killer, so I'll, <laughs> you, you spill the beans. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll spill the beans. So Jean Loring is the, is the actual killer. She, she, uh, kills Sue Dibney because basically because of the happiness that, that, uh, her and Ralph have and that her and Ralph and, or that Sue and Ralph have, but uh, Gene and 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 Ray don't have anymore. And the, you're right. The point, the point, the, the fact that you know when one superhero loses a loved one, it kind of drives the other superheroes back to their loved ones. And she kind of knew that was going to happen. And I, I don't know if it's in her in the the Ray the the Adam uh, past uh, or not that Gene Loring has 
the Eclipso uh, rock, or she's been possessed by it before, but uh, doesn't that happen in this, that she gets she uses that? Well, so what happens then is, so he has to do the hardest thing. He has to put, you know, his his love in jail. In Arkham. Yeah, so he's got to he's got to he's got to sentence her to Arkham Asylum, which is, you know, hell on earth as far as anybody's concerned because it's Arkham Asylum. Yeah, and you know that's when he's walking away and he just feels horrible. But then we we discover now while she's in jail, yeah, through like a you know a crazy turn of events and whatnot, the Eclipso Diamond is purposely sent to Jean Lorning. Okay, so that way so she, that's at the she end of the story. Something. So yeah, so that's that's how that goes about because. So basically, she used she used one of uh, Ray's old suits to shrink down white 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 dwarf star suits to shrink down and kill Jean or go through the phone line kill kill Sue Dibney and then eventually send her <coughs> send her body on fire to try and cover up her tracks. Yeah, and I remember a lot of the fans kind of were annoyed with that because they're like, "Okay, so you're gonna go through the phone, step on her head, cause her to fall down." black out she'll get scared and whatnot but you step too hard you know so you accidentally killed her why did you bring a flamethrower if you were going to just step on her brain <laughs> <laughs> i remember people would go nuts about it. it's fine because if you think about it you're like oh that's the one thing that you didn't really explain too well you know so yeah but, that's uh that's that's the identity crisis in a very very small nutshell you should definitely give it a read if you haven't and reread it again if you have because it's a great story uh, yeah, Identity will... Crisis 1 through 7, trade paperback, hardcover, original issues. Um, after you read it, I highly recommend pick up Crisis of Conscience, JLA 115 through 119, also available in trade paperback. It's a great sequel, uh, continues on with many of the themes, and honestly just a great launching point for the DC universe that has led to where we're at today. Exactly. So uh, let's go ahead, Chris. Let's let's hear your whole list first and instead of doing 1-1. One, one. Okay. Well, um, as we were talking about this before we started, we kind of want to list the, the bullet points, so characters and whatnot. So uh, I guess that's kind of kind of the, 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 the way we'll outline this one. So obviously, Sue and Ralph Dibney are the major you know characters of this because they're the ones that have the biggest ramifications. So for me, I decided to use Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. Um, at that time, you know, they were, you know, Hank was kind of running away from being an Avenger because... You know, he's he's more of a scientist than he is a superhero. And Janet loves being a superhero because that's what gives her her joy. So I figure her kind of carefree spirit would be a good um, mirror to kind of what what Sue has, you know, because even though she's not a superhero, she still likes being in the thick of it. So that's what kind of puts them in that target bullseye zone. So I thought that'd be a good pick for her. And plus, you know, that's one of the few superhero relationships that could show, you know, a direct loss having an impact. So I went with them. Um, for my killer, so for Dr. Light's place in the story, I decided to use Electro. Um, I used Electro because, obviously, kind of some power simulations. And plus, you know, at first when Electro was introduced, he was. He was a really cool villain, you know. Like, he got his powers in a special way, and he was very driven and whatnot. But then as, you know, Spider-Man progressed and, you know, it started being more kid-friendly... Electro was a goof, you know, he was, he was running around like, ah, ha, 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 you know, and it's like, man, the guy could have been a really powerful villain, but he always got reduced to this, you know, goofy sidekick villain role. So I, I kind of felt in terms of the comic books themselves, he was. Um, and then right in terms of publication, after Avengers Disassembled, 
there was the big explosion that set all the supervillains and the raft free, which formed, which forced the Avengers to reunite. Right. So I thought they'd be kind of those, you know, good launch point characters. Oh, yeah. So I went with Electro. So I thought, you know, he kind of, he fits in in both universes. So either way, he's doomed to get put into that, you know, gunman spot. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, it's like, man, you're going to have Electro, you know, raping or attacking Janet somehow, you know. So I thought, oh, man, that would, you know, here he is, you know, at first everybody thinks, oh, you're just a Spider-Man villain. Spider-Man's a kid who cares. But then he really hurts the Avengers in a way that they didn't see coming. So I thought that'd be kind of cool. Um, so obviously with Dr. or with Electro being changed mentally, you know, who are the Avengers that are going to be, you know, deciding his fate? So, uh, the Avengers for the mind wipe and personality change. So in place of the Adam, I, I gave it to Tony Stark. Um, again, both men of science, clear thinkers, and also very harsh judges. So I thought they kind of fit hand in hand. Um, so I would just okay. want to say that, uh, you know, I, I, I very closely had, uh, you know, uh, Tony Stark in that position too. Uh, I, I mean, I wanted I, I wanted to put him in there, and, and not to knock your your choice because I love it. This is a, it's a great choice, but I just I, you know how in the Identity Crisis story we didn't have Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman as part of the uh, of the people that made the decision. So I didn't want to have you know Thor, Captain America, or Tony Stark to be there. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, I get you there. That's that's tough. Um, and it, it's funny because, you know, at the time of publication, your, your Thor and your Iron Man weren't big tier heroes. <laughs> so, but I mean, I don't know. Like I, I thought about it and I just thought about, you know, classic Silver Age Avengers. Fair enough. I kind of got stuck there. So that's, that's, that's where I, you know, cause I, I do agree. It would be nice to keep the big top tier heroes out, but yeah, I kind of got myself trapped in, you know, because everybody always refers to the Silver Age Justice League satellite era, which was the big explosive time. Right. Um, I couldn't, you know, when, when I came to it with my Avengers, I, you know, I, I guess I kind of got cut, cut in the corner. So this is where I'm going to have to appeal for your, uh, <laughs> your leniency to say, let me have the big three be there. <laughs> hey, hey, trust me. Don't you're worry. Gonna... Captain America wasn't there, so he didn't hear the conversation <laughs> with his eagle-like hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean eagle sight and, like, dog-like hearing. Because I don't think no, Eagles No, no, no. Eagles clearly. Eagles can hear everything. Well, they hear freedom, so. <laughs> yes. And obviously this is attack on freedom, so Cap would have heard it. Uh, you know what? You're gonna. I, I'll give you the leniency because you're going to have to give me the leniency too because my Avengers lineup, you know, is all over the place. I didn't, I didn't stick to one time era, so uh, you're, you're more than you're more than welcome. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, we, we scratch each other's backs as you can see. Um, <laughs> Let's see, replacing Hawkman was Superman, since we're having leniency. No. <laughs> um, but no, but I, so I thought about uh, Hawkman. Who would be a great character that embodies anger? Well, Quicksilver, you know. Uh, obviously, we don't see that from the movies as much, but back in the day, Quicksilver was a jerk. Um, it was basically why he was a jerk, because here's a guy who has super speed, and he's constantly waiting for us to catch up. So I totally felt the same way. Like He would have been the first one to grab Electro and be like, you motherfucker. Right. So, yeah, I gave that one to Quicksilver. I put Hawkman in that case. And my Zatanna, so basically the person who's going to change minds and stuff like that, you're going to, I think this one's going to throw you for a loop here. I went with Thor. Wow. Yeah, I, I decided, obviously, we're going to use magic. I, I wanted to go Scarlet Witch because I thought that'd be, you know, obviously a good one, but I felt it was too obvious. So, yeah, I decided, you know what, I'm going to put this one on Thor. And my rationale behind it is, and this is where we're going to see him grow up. 
obviously when Thor, you know, became Dr. Donald Blake, it was because he was too stubborn, too egotistical, too full of himself. So Odin, you know, made him live the life of a, of a lame human so he could learn humility, so he could, you know, start being a better person. So I thought, okay, well, even though he's made those jumps and obviously he's been granted the power of Thor and he gets to live vicariously in both worlds, I thought it'd be good to still show that stubborn brashness. So obviously when this happens, that's when Thor's like, all right, I'm going to enchant a spell. You know, I'm going to take one of our enemies and I'm going to change him. So I thought that's that would be the bigger repercussion. See, and would, obviously this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I would I would love to see that scene because I, I to me it'd be like uh, Thor would take a rune and like like literally place it inside of uh, you know uh, Electro's brain or something like that. You know, and it would, it'd just be like a cool magical moment to see drawn out. Yeah. No, I definitely. I, yeah. Any any visual would be awesome on that because yeah, exactly. You see him just totally go square on this one. Like, all right, man. We're taking him down. So I thought I thought that'd be a great way to go about it. So I thought he'd be a really unexpected choice. And plus, you know, obviously the story Identity Crisis took place in two eras, you know, the Silver Age and then, uh, you know, the modern age of that time. So I thought it'd be cool because in publication, Thor is now facing Ragnarok. So in, you know, in the current, you know, in the modern day team, it'd be interesting because now you have King Thor and he's facing the falling of his kingdom. And I thought that'd be a good moment of reflection because he'd be like, yeah, you know, the mistakes of my, 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 my sins of youth are coming back to affect me. I can see now how my judgment was wrong. I've erred in so many ways. So I thought that'd be kind of a cool, you know, character growth moment. So that's, that's why I put those three as my for the mind wipe. Very cool. Um, against the mind wipe. Now, these were characters that I thought were cool because they all have shady past and things like that. So my green arrow, obviously, you know, uh, bows of an arrow flock together. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with Hawkeye uh, because he's going to be the most vocal. You know, he's he's the first Avenger to join the team that was after the, you know, the originals. So I thought he'd be, you know, he's he's the guy who's always trying to muscle in and be like, no, I was there from the start. It's like, no, you were oh, more <laughs> important than you think I am. No, you're not. Like, you're Hawkeye. It's OK. So I totally felt he'd be the good you know, mentor to the newer heroes, talking to them, being like, oh, yeah, this is what they did, da-da-da-da. So I gave it to Hawkeye. Now, I think this is an interesting choice, seeing as how, you know, I mean, it's very uh, prominent that Hawkeye started off as a, as a villain and, you know, joined the, the, the Avengers team, you know, with that stigma on him. So him, I, I, I mean, I could see it going both ways, the, him, like, uh, saying being against the mind white because he was a former uh, former villain, and then being for it because he was a former villain. So I'm I'm very interested in this choice that you made. Yeah, well, exactly, and that that would be one of the things. As I'm writing the dialogue, I would have Hawkeye or Clint say that, and he'd be like, "Wait a second, you know, what if I continued being a criminal and you guys decided to come after me? Would you have mind wiped me?" And so that's really going to put some big tension on Hawkeye and Thor. Right. You know, because it's like, you know, and it's great because it's, you know, man and mortal, uh, you know, uh, um, David and Goliath. You know, I thought that'd be kind of cool. So yeah, that's that's totally why I was like, you know, what? I know it's the easy, obvious pick, but he's got to be the most vocal. So I definitely went with Green Arrow on that one. Um, for my Black Canary, again, the symmetries there. I went with Black Widow. Um, and again, you know, obviously, you know, here's another person they started off as a villain and then next thing you know they started to um 
you know, progress to the superheroics. So obviously she's going to side with Clint and she's going to side with him, not just because they, they're both, you know, really strong friends, but also like, Hey, I'm in the same boat. You know, you, you took me out and you know, would you have done this to me? Would you have felt the need to mind wipe me? So I thought she'd be good in that regard. And now this is where I'm, I'm, I'm having some trouble. I was trying to find my Hal Jordan, who would be a good Hal Jordan in this regard. <coughs> so I wasn't too sure where to go with this one. So you'll have to you'll have to forgive me on it, but I think I'm gonna go with Bruce Banner. I'm gonna give it to Actually no, wait, I take that back. I got it. I'm gonna give it to Wonder Man. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm gonna let Wonder Man, you know, he's obviously gonna be very open minded and be like, No, this isn't right. You know, you guys shouldn't be able to, you know, do things like this to heroes, you know. You shouldn't be able to. Um so that's where that's gonna go. Now, the reason I made that quick change is because I forgot about Batman. You know, who, who's the Batman of this group? And obviously, Bruce has to be that person. So it's going to be the Hulk is the one who walks in. And oh. David, or, you know, Bruce Banner, as a scientist, sees this going on. He sees how magic is coming in and changing somebody. You know, that's when he starts to Hulk out. And then, boom, Thor just, like, freezes him. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I have to stop him. I can't, you know, first off, we don't need the Hulk here. This is a very tense situation. And secondly, Banner is going to be the type of guy who's going to be like, that's not right. Even though the Hulk has all these sins on his back, Banner would still be the guy to be like, I don't care, you know, right and wrong. We still have to do things the right way. Because that's, you know, that's part of Bruce Banner's atonement for being the Hulk. You know, and that's so that's so funny because I was this close to putting Bruce Banner in that exact spot, too. And I, it, to me, it was the, a lot of the scientist in him. It was like, no, you're, you're messing with someone's brain chemistry like that. Messing with their brain is, you know, going to be so terrible, you know, that it, you you don't know the effects of of something like that in the long term. And, and we're supposed to be better than this kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, I can't believe, you know, we're on such a wavelength that we were that close to doing that. That's funny. Well, and exactly, and, and exactly, like, you know, that's what's kind of cool about our talks is we don't just talk about the superhero. We talk about, you know, what, you know, their personalities and who they are and what they bring to it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so definitely, you know, so you got your idealistic heroes, you know, and, and their, their, their harsh judgment with Iron Man, Quicksilver, and Thor, you know, saying, hey, let's wipe them. Then you've got your, your strong moralistic characters and Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Wonder Man saying no thanks. And, yeah, you know. Who has to make that final vote? Now, this is where it's going to be interesting. So who's my Barry Allen Flash? I'm giving that role to Hank Pym. Wow. Yeah, because he's still going to be there. He's still going to be there while this is going on. So this is where I changed my story drastically because obviously Elongated Man had no idea that this happened. But I'm going to put Hank Pym there. you know. And obviously this is going to be some of the stuff that messes with his psyche, why he's constantly changing identities, why Ultron was created and things like that. So I'm going to put another sin on the shoulders of Hank Pym. He's going to be the final vote that says, yeah, let's do it. You know, to hell with these guys. We're, we're going to do stuff like that. So it, it, it kind of it, it definitely steers off the path of the original identity crisis. But I thought it would good, be good because that way later on when we see the legacy dealing with it, you know, and and partly why we understand why Hank Pym is kind of staying away from superheroics, because, you know, when you make that decision, that's tough. You know, when you're the guy who's like, yeah, I was the final vote that said, let's mind wipe the guy. You know, could you imagine every time you saw Electro do something, you know, and get busted or constantly go to jail, constantly be a buffoon? Right. That's your choice. That was your fault. Yeah, because Spider-Man, like, you know, hung him upside down off of a light post and made him look like an idiot or something like that. Or, you know, yeah, hit, him, exactly. hit him with a fire hydrant. And you're just like, wow. You know, that's. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's me that's my fault <laughs> so yeah so i thought that'd be kind of cool to put that there and, and play with that idea. um so yeah so those are those are my avengers that were for and against the mind wipe um obviously in the modern day telly who's your wally west and who's your um uh, kyle rayner right. so i gave my wally west to scott lang so i thought that'd be perfect that way you have that symmetry between flashes and ants there you so go scott lang is you know part of the new blood and you know he's the one who's like no no the avengers would never be this way i can't believe this i can't believe this you know so he's idealistic and then for my kyle rayner again a total brand new hero i went with now this one's going to be tough because i don't think anybody remembers her um <laughs> captain britain the kelsey lay version oh wow i think she went on to become excalibur no lionheart uh, Lancelot, lionheart yeah yeah so i thought she'd be perfect because yeah literally she's been an avenger for like a week <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's just like you guys did what <laughs> you crazy americans i can't stand it here you know so <laughs> i thought that'd be perfect i thought she totally would be vocal and kind of like you know the innocence that kyle rayner brought you know because you know a poor guy poor kyle rayner even though he'd been grinning lantern for like almost 10 years they still you know would be like oh yeah you've only had the ring for a week you know so <laughs> i thought that was funny so i definitely i chose her i thought that was a good one Okay. Um, I do remember one thing that was major. So Dr. Light, or, well, yeah, when Dr. Light was on the run for the heroes that were hunting him down, he hired Deathstroke to be his muscle, and there was this big, great fight scene between Deathstroke and the, the, the Justice League. Right. So obviously, who's Electro going to go to? Who's the best assassin that you can buy with money? Taskmaster. Of course. That's and who I picked. Week, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, exactly. That's a one-for-one trade. Plus, I just want to see it. Yes. Like, I just want to see Taskmaster beat the hell out of these guys. And, yeah, you'll have that cool moment where – you know, here's Taskmaster after he takes down Captain Britain. He's trying to lift Excalibur, you know, and I thought that'd be so cool because in the battle, of course, the sword falls and it pierces through the sidewalk. And, you know, Taskmaster is like, look, I, I get everything about these people. I see how they look. I see her stance. So you see him grab Taskmaster and he's trying to wiggle it out and you see it give a little because in a sense he is worthy. But the fact that he's assassin is what stops him. But I, I like thought I'd just kind of take a little riff, you know, from the Civil War movie when we see Captain America, <laughs> you know, or not Civil War, but Avengers 2 when Cap, you know, shakes the hammer a little bit. Yeah, so that'd be fun. That would be cool. Um, so let's see who is going to be going through all these certain other things. Uh, my killer. Now, this is where I'm going to go kind of crazy left field. And this is where I'm going to take some comic book knowledge. So who's the killer who caused all this? Tigra. Tigra. Wow. Tigra, yep. Yeah, um, back during the Avengers West Coast days, they were hinting at a relationship between Hank and Tigra. So I thought, hey, who would be the most jealous of Hank and Janet? Tigra would be, you know. And even if you remember during the Secret Invasion, you know, they had uh, Tigra and Hank Pym got close, you know. But then unfortunately, Tigra got burned because it turns out Hank Pym was a scroll, so she was, you know, pregnant with scroll baby cat things, you know. So I thought that'd be cool to put tigra in that role make her be the killer so obviously she's going to do the same thing she'll take the mask shrink herself down step all over janet's brain and then walk away from it <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yes yeah, so i made her my killer so i think i got everybody the only one that was tough was trying to figure out who would be you know the atom who would be the guy walking away screaming from the heroics um at first i was going to go with the vision just because at this point you know he'd kind of be disgusted you know Part of his indirect family, you know, his quote unquote mother was killed by his father's lover. And, you know, um, just seeing his teammates and friends become totally unalteristic. So I thought, you know, playing on that 
can even an android cry? I thought that'd be kind of neat where the vision is just like walking away from humanity, stepping away from it. So kind of a, you know, an out there choice and doesn't really have any reason to, but that would be the reason I'd give him is just that he's watching the people that he calls family destroy themselves in this identity crisis. And here's a man without an identity or here's a machine who's trying to be a man, but has no identity. So I thought he'd be the one walking away, just shattered by what he saw. All right. I like it. I mean, uh, you did, this is very strong, very cool uh, storyline that we, we created there. Uh, so, uh, I, I, well, I guess we'll have to get into mine now. So, yeah. Uh, so let me, let me see. Let me, I want your picks. I want to see what we got, see what, how close we were. <laughs> oh, uh, you know what? Actually, there's going to be a couple in there that I think you're going to find that how close we were. <laughs> so, uh, Ralph and Sue Dimming, that's where we started off. That's where the story starts. And uh, I, I think it was very interesting that in the, the identity crisis story, you know, it's uh, Sue is, uh, I believe she's talking to Ralph at the very beginning on the phone, and you have uh, she's talking about the gift that she has for him for his, for his birthday, and when he gets there, that's when he discovers that she's dead. Um, I have it as Hawkeye and Mockingbird, and in Ooh, yeah, wow. in my story. Uh, Hawkeye is, is, you know, on the way back to the Avengers mansion to, uh, give her an engagement ring to remarry her. Cause you know, they've been married in the past or I don't know if that was, you know, changed after, uh, was it secret invasion of whether or not she was the one that got married to him or not. But I know they did have the relationship. So, uh, he, in my storyline, he's going back to, uh, ask her to marry him again and he finds her dead. Oh, wow. Poor Bobby, no matter what, she's always on the cutting block. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is true. And th- this is, uh, you know, what what could have happened and why, you know, why she was gone for so long. So, uh, my Dr. Light. Now, this, I, I you know, I, I really wanted to go with a, a, a different character. And I, I, I re- researched him and I, I found some stuff that I think really would, would help with the storyline. So my Dr. Light is Sandman, Flint Marco. Ooh, nice. And I like that. Cause he did have some flip flop changes, you know, for a while there he was a villain and then, yeah, he became an Avenger. So exactly. Right, so does that, does that tie in? That it? ties in. So the idea is that, cause they've, they've gone back and put in the idea that his, uh, his time as an Avenger was due to a, another villain that chain that did some mind manipulation on him to, uh, basically get him to infiltrate the, the Avengers. And in in my storyline, he is an Avenger, and you know him and Bobby are just at the Avengers mansions, and and finally his uh, sleeper cell activity breaks out, and you know he he rapes he rapes Bobby, he rapes Mockingbird right there. Uh, wow! So you know that's that's part of the storyline. Then then he goes on to be a villain again because he he is a villain. You know, it, it, I mean, unfortunately, it kind of takes away all of his do gooding that he did as an Avenger, but you know that's the way this story kind of plays out. Hey, no, that works because he's, isn't he supposed to be like the cousin of Norman Osborn? So yeah, you can't, you can't be heroic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. So the, you know, there's uh, there's that Sandman. I, I really I really liked that choice. I mean, obviously, if I have to pat myself on the back. <laughs> no, but I tell you what, I like that, and it's it's kind of funny because if you think about it, so Doctor Light was a JLA villain. 
Then he got kicked over to go fight the kids. So it's kind of funny because inadvertently we both are calling Spider-Man the kid for the <laughs> Avengers. You know, it's like, hey, we'll take our your, your villains and be like, eh, whatever. Here, here, go play with them, PD. <laughs> so I do find that funny that we inadvertently, you know, like, oh, that's that's the role Peter Parker would have in this. But I like that because he does like. That's what's neat about Spider-Man is his villains, they do have personalities. Um, they've had struggles and, and things like that. You know, Doc Ock, uh, Norman Osborn himself, you know, they're not just these, you know, megalomaniacs. They're megalomaniacs with, you know, with a heart. <laughs> no, you're right. I think with Spider-Man villains, uh, more than any other villains of any other person, we get to we get to find out a lot about their, their backgrounds and where they come from and why they do the things they do. I mean... I mean, you get a little bit of that with X-Men villains because X-Men villains trait become X-Men heroes at some point or another. But <laughs> yeah, it's part of the it's part of the recruitment drive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you don't really get that with uh like Captain America villains or, you know, uh Tony Stark villains. It's 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 Spider-Man villains more than anything that you you learn their backgrounds. And I think that's where yeah. you you get a lot of the whole between Spider-Man and X- and X-Men is where you get the whole uh Marvel universe or are real people kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. So no, you got I I dig that pick. I'm I'm totally excited to see that, you know, Kane Marco, you know, is Flint totally Marco. the guy who Flint Marco, yeah, Flint Marco is the guy who, you know, and especially too, it's such a deep cut. That's what's nice about your pick because here he was welcomed into the Avengers and then bam, just blindsided them in such a hard hurtful way. Right. So I that's awesome. I'm liking that. So, uh then we have the, the our team members of the Avengers that were for the Mind Wipe. And my Adam is actually Black Panther. Because I feel like with his 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 science background and his uh uh regal royalty, he would be more for a harsh punishment. Like he would he would be he would be for it. Like he doesn't want this to to exist. He wouldn't, you know, allow something like this to be there so black panther is the one that or votes for it and <laughs> quicksilver is actually my hawkman just like you that's a, I, I really <laughs> figured you know to be quicksilver would be the one that's like yeah this is the right thing why are you guys not why are you questioning this this is completely you know <laughs> exactly how it's supposed to be done uh well plus i like i like that i could totally see it in I, you know you're more welcome to use that idea too but i could totally see in his rationale, while everybody's debating, he's just sitting there with his arms crossed, tapping his feet, and everybody's kind of like, "Dude, what, what's going on?" He's like, "I already evaluated this. <laughs> you know, this is the most logical choice. I ran every scenario possible. This is the most logical choice. Can you guys hurry up and catch up to me?" <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It, 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 that would exactly be. Can you guys please just catch up to to me? Catch up to where we're at. This is what's going to happen. So, uh, and then my my Zaitana would be uh we were i'm going away from magic because uh, i didn't want to do scarlet witch either uh i went with reed richards i think Ooh, i think he would be whoa. like yeah i do i have a machine that could do this that, that could definitely mind wipe him and and shift his personality so that he he won't do this kind of harm to anybody ever again because i wouldn't want something like this done to sue i wouldn't want you know <laughs> Uh, I would, I wouldn't, I would, if I, at this point, I don't know if they would have the kids, they probably wouldn't have their kids at, at that point, but you know, I wouldn't, something like this to happen to my kids. So yeah, Reed Richards would, well, I, would be there to say yes. And I like that. I really like that pick because there's some neat stuff like you get from Reed Richards because, all right, did Sue suffer through something like that? Yeah. When malice, when malice took over her brain, 
you know? So obviously, you know, we're both kind of skewed on our timelines, you know, we're, we're picking at all this and that, but I think for this episode, it's just good conversation. Yeah. But with malice, you know, obviously Reed would be thinking about, okay, can I create something that can get somebody back to the way they're supposed to be, you know? So that would explain why he has a machine like that. And plus the logic behind it. Yeah. He could, he could convince himself of a logical argument. And plus he's a family man. Yeah. So that, that puts him in that scenario of, yeah, this is why I have to do it. It's not that I want to, it's that I have to, you know, it's, it's like being a guard. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be the one who does execution duty. It's not meaning you're a killer. It's just, that's part of your job responsibilities. So I like that. That's a, that's a great pick. Reed Richards. I, I like that. And technically he was an Avenger. So you're still, you're still right there. <laughs> and plus it's cool because it lends itself to the idea of the Illuminati. Yes. You know, it's, oh yeah. It, it plays with about that, that. that. It was, it was a greater Marvel universe story as opposed to it just being an Avengers thing. So I like that, that it really brings in the whole Marvel U. That's awesome. Good pick. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Uh, now for our black, for the, for the ones that were against it, my black canary, uh, that's where I put wasp. Uh, I think, Oh, nice. Yeah. I think so. she's got a better fate in your story than mine. <laughs> yes, exactly. To see, I, I'd put Bobby back on the chopping block. Like you said, <laughs> uh, wasp, I, I, you know, I, I really feel like she would, uh, be in there because of what she, she already went through with Hank and his yellow jacket persona that, you know, messing with someone's mind would not be the best thing to do. Uh, and, and just like Black Canary, she's like, I, you know, you, I don't need anybody to use me as the, as their what if to, I can take care of myself. You know, I don't need, uh, you, you big men to worry about me. So you, you can't just throw this as I'm your poster child for mind wiping villains. And I like that. Cause exactly. Janet did have that for a while where it's like, Oh, well, you're a female superhero, so it's not that you're a superhero. It's that you're going to be tied up and put on the train tracks. And she would totally argue it the same way Dinah did. I am not defenseless. Right. You know, so I totally dig that. I like that. Which then brings me to the Green Lantern, how Jordan, and that's where I put Hank. I put Hank Pym there because, uh, once again, he, he has had his experience with, you know, losing his mind and, and ha- you know, being tempered with, which also was a, a analog or a counterpoint to Green Lantern of how Jordan, you know, who went on to become uh, Parallax and Parallax and all that. Nice. Know, it's, it's a it, to me, it was a it was, it was a really good one to one and it explains why Hank would be against uh, someone messing with someone's mind in that way. I like that. No, I think that's a cool it's a good play on it. So I, I like that. That's awesome. And now we, and then we get onto Green Arrow, which you know was obviously the biggest proponent to the idea. And for me, I think the one that's that's that that screams out the whole uh, "you need to be better, you you can't do things like this," you know, kind of thing. But has gone and does done the bad things themselves. It would be Miss Marvel. She's Ooh. you know with the whole military background that they've now given her. I don't know if that's what it was in the past, and I know we've talked about this before, but I right. I really feel that you know she would. I mean, she's obviously taking some liberties with what she does, but she's more of the live by what I say, not what I do kind of mentality, and and that's what Oliver Queen is like. He wants everybody to be the best that they can. They want he wants people to be the 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 hero that they're supposed to be, but he himself will go and do the wrong thing look at uh was it uh cry for justice yeah you know when he took out prometheus so i mean that's it it just shows that green arrow is not above 
going going against himself, but he knows yeah. what the right thing is. Well, and I like that, and I like that because I was just going to say how that screams about what's going on with Carol right now in Civil War Two. Then that's you know, that definitely came to mind. Yeah, because she's the one who's like, nope, I'm all I'm all about you know no mind wipes and stuff like that. But then, you know, all of a sudden in the future, it's going to be like, nope, if we can prevent crime, doesn't matter. We're going to prevent crime. So I dig that. It's a, a really good play on exactly like Carol's Carol's understanding fans that the situation is bigger than her. So she'll do what the situation demands. Right. As a, as a principles, you know, so I think that's really cool. I like that. I like that pick. So uh, if I go ahead and keep the idea of that you threw out there of, uh, Bruce Banner being the the Batman that comes in afterwards. Uh, now we can get to our new guys, uh, our Wally West and Kyle Rayner. My Wally West, and I think this is, is this fits in with the idea that you you threw out earlier about Electro and, and Side Sandman being our thrown to the to the kitties is Spider Man. Spider Man would be my Wally West of I can't I can't believe you guys did this. You know I try and live up to you guys. This is. The you know you're the ideal of, of what I'm trying to do, and this is what you've done. So <laughs> you know this is, that would be Spider-Man, and my Kyle Rayner is Amadeus Cho. I think that you know as the probably the youngest member of the team when he was thrown onto the team, if you want to put it that way, you know it, right. it, it would be a real eye opener to what happens to uh, you know what happens on this team or what could happen on this team. Nice. And I like that because especially like for Spider-Man, can you imagine when he has that moment of clarity when he finds out, wait, you guys did what to Sandman? You know, because that, you know, that, that's going to be a punch in the ego. It's you know, true. going to be like, wait, I totally, you know, I thought about defeating him by sucking him up in a vacuum. <laughs> You're telling me you, you made him goofy? You know, like, <laughs> am I really a hero? Could I have stopped him? Or is that because you guys made it so I could stop him? Which would definitely... So I, I dig that. Yeah, which would definitely go along with the, you know, the Spider-Man characteristics of, you know, always doubting himself of, as a hero or as a as a man even, you know, to the point that he you know, gives up his suit or, you know, whatever it is. It's, he, he's, he's got that guilt on him all the time. Yep. And so, yeah, now he's going to just be like, well, what the hell do I fight for? <laughs> what have I been doing? No, that's cool. That's, you know, and again, it's always fun to turn the screws on Peter Parker. So that, that clearly does that. <laughs> and uh, so then, uh, like we said earlier, our hired gun that uh, our, our Dr. Light would hire. So in my, my mind, it's, it's Sandman it would definitely be Taskmaster instead of Deathstroke, you know, because he is, he's, he's the one guy that can mimic every single person that's on the team and, and, has the mind to tactically take down whoever it is. And I think at this point when they're fighting him, they're, you know, they're really, they, the team has this guilt of, of what has been done in their name that they might be distracted enough that Taskmaster would take him down easily, you know, or maybe not easily, but at least to a good point. So you have, uh, Amadeus show might be the, the, the Hulk at this point, uh, since it's, it's newer time and Spider-Man, you know, is doubting himself and, and the other Character, so I think it'd be Black Canary, or so Wasp and Pim, Hank Pym and Miss Marvel would be there, and you know they they just wouldn't be the way that they're supposed to be when fighting uh, someone at this caliber. I like that, and especially too. I like how you mentioned that. How it's like he can take on he can take on the the Avengers, and I would totally see him throwing in a line where it's like obviously they're going to be like, oh, you're just a hired gun for money, and I could see him totally turning back and being like, well, who are you avenging? 
you know, like, or you're avenging your own character, you know, and so he could totally, yeah, like, totally screw with them. So I like that. I, I think that's cool. And obviously, that's that's why I went with the character too, you know. Right. And I, but I like the way you explain that. that yeah, it's gonna be like he's gonna he just caught the Avengers with their pants down. So it's like, yep, you guys can't act all holier <laughs> than thou because you'll do whatever it takes, just like we do whatever it takes to survive. So I think that's cool. Exactly. So, uh, which then comes down to the killer, the big mastermind, the person who, who started the whole chain of events. And, uh, I, I wanted to keep with the whole, you know, uh, Adam connection. So in my, my storyline, Black Panther is the Adam. So my killer is actually a deep cut that I had to go looking for. And it's, a uh, an old love interest of Black Panthers of T'Challa is called Monica Lynn. Now, wow, you did go deep cuts, <laughs> man. Holy that's quarter bin. <laughs> so in my in my in my scenario situation, instead of uh the whole idea of, of her trying to get uh Black Panther to come back like come to her or spend more time with her because he's out of venturing, because at this point uh, Black Panther is with Storm. She he's married to Storm. But in the storyline, Monica Lynn is the character that he was on again, off again with for a very long time, even asked her to marry him, but they never went through with the wedding. So to me, it's almost like a jaded lover or a jaded uh, 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 past girlfriend. And even to the point that she might have gone to the Avengers mansion, you know, using T'Challa's access to kill Storm, you know, hoping that Storm would be there and and she would be able to take, take, take Storm out. Uh, right. Instead, she 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 came across Bobby, and you know, used a little bit of vibranium to, uh, you know, whatever it is, stick her in the back of the head because she wasn't expecting it, or because I mean, who would expect Monica Lynn? She's not a bad person. She's just an old friend of of T'Challa's. And yeah. If anything, they're going to be like more like, oh, are are you are you touring the mansion? Did you get lost? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I totally forgot my 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 vote my my last vote. So, oh, okay. Am I? And I, I had this great storyline. So, my Flash, the one who makes the decision vote, is the Vision. Ooh, you put Vision in place of Barry Allen. I like that because to me, you would have it, it'd be the biggest decision of his, like his Android life or you know artificial life, whatever you want to say it. Because he would have his logic, you know, computer logic, to be like, no, this is wrong, can't do this. But then he would be fighting against his newly acquired, like human self. You know, the one that reminds him that he's in love with Wanda and, you know, what if something like this would happen to her and, and stuff like that. So he would be really – the struggle, the internal struggle between for that character would be so, so big. And, I, you know, to to see that his human side that he really – he, it's really, you know, brand new to him would win out would totally be the uh, a big moment in the Vision's life or in the Vision's life. I like that. I really like that because exactly like – it's we do the same thing it doesn't matter how smart we are when it comes to matters of the heart we bend we bend a lot so I think that's, <laughs> that's really cool i like that so yeah that's that, a good pick that yeah that, i can't believe I, I i just jumped over him and went straight to the other <laughs> other part of the stories but yeah that was the the cool or that was my that's my roster that's my uh casting so uh i hope it makes for a good story as well <laughs> oh definitely well i mean i, I like the characters and plus I, you like you're gonna cause me to have to go look up some back issues. That's what I like about it. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the character from Black Panther, I'm still kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> so I I dig that. That's totally some really good 
you know, that's some good picks right there. That's awesome. You know, and and, and that's, that's the joy of, of stories like this is it causes you to go back and read issues and, and, you know, cause like I know when, um, when identity crisis was released, you know, people were, they were going back and buying those old satellite era spider or uh, justice league comic books, you know, uh, Dr. Light all of a sudden became somebody that popped up on the radar. So it was fun. You know, it was just, it was real awesome stuff because people wanted to go learn more about those characters. And I mean, that story, like if, if I'm your editor and you come to me and you pitch that, I like that because now I'm like, great. We totally have a black Panther book. That's going to be coming out right after this. You know, like we have so much to put out there from that, you know, vision, Oh man, you you put him in the limelight, you know, because it's like he's gonna have to deal with, you know, the worst thing about what he wants being human, you know, because it's like, yeah, here's a character who's this robot who can do all these amazing things, but he wants what power you and I have being human. Yeah. But then in the reality, when he gains it, it's like, oh man, that kind of sucks. You got to have these morality choices instead of logical choices, you know. So I think that's really cool. So I, you've got some good. You've got some good moments. I mean, depending on your artist and the way you frame some shots, but you've got some cool stuff to put in there. I mean, just picturing Hawkeye, you know, walking in and finding Bobby killed. And his is even tougher to swallow because Bobby should be somebody who could defend herself. Right. You know, so that's why it's going to be tough. Like I can picture that scene, you know, in the past where Janet is like, look, I'm not just some damsel in distress. And then in the future, when you have a female super who's killed in the in the vein of a damsel in distress, you could see Hank Pym just kind of grab her and be like, "All arguments are invalid right now because any one of us could have gotten hurt." Exactly. You know? So I think that's that's so cool. And then to think, you know, if 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 uh, the Black Panther or T'Challa plays it out the same way that uh, Ray Palmer did, and he gives up being Black Panther, now the ramifications of that are, is even greater because the black panther is also the king you know the king of wakanda yeah. does does that mean he's giving up his 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 throne uh, you know is that i don't know i don't know if in the past uh t'challa has ever given up being black panther in, in his storylines because i'm not too familiar with black panther comic books but i i, I, just... well, I think they i think they, they toyed with that because isn't that when he had i think it was his sister right his sister was the black panther ah and so obviously he's he's shied away from the kingdom and I could just see him being like, look, right now I'm going to be too selfish. I can't, you know, I can't make the logical decisions you need me to make. I can't be the king you need me to be, you know? And so it's like, wow, that could, that could totally be a cool play on what he's going through because of the actions. And plus, you know, as you said, Monica, I, I like that, that she actually took some of his stuff. You know, she used him as the way to get in, you know, like she took his materials. So, you know, that could be something where even his own kingdom is like, look, dude, you just let somebody take your pass key and, and totally go in there and kill some of your friends. Yeah. You know, you could play with kind of like Hillary Clinton and the emails and stuff like that. You know, you can really make it relevant and kind of twisted and dark. The yeah. Fallout he, of, of bad leadership. If you, you know? could, yeah, if you can, if you can uh, protect uh, the Avengers mansion, then how am I, you supposed to protect our, our country kind of thing. So, uh, I yeah. can tell, I can I can see that, and that's you know that's what I think uh, would have been a great storyline in an alternate reality. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. This is our this is a very long episode, and I I, I kind of knew it was going to be because uh, this is a, a great story, and and like we I said before, we've talked about it so many times because it's the one that started it all off for us. But uh, uh, I'm happy yeah. with our well, outcomes. Oh yeah, no, this one this one like I said for me. 
you know, that year, 2004 was amazing. <clears throat> you had, for me, four milestone comic books came out. Identity Crisis being one of them. Um, Green Lantern Rebirth being another. On the Marvel side of the fence, we had Avengers Disassembled, which led to the Avengers finally becoming a big um, franchise. Because before that, you had Avengers only. And then they would try, you know, Avengers Solo or Avengers West Coast. You know, those books never worked. Finally, Brian Michael Bendis came in. He changed things up for the Avengers, made them the big super team, finally got Spider-Man and Wolverine on it, you know, said, yeah, why, why don't we have our big guns on this team? Um, it led to a ton of great comic books being written by him and, and really beefing up the Avengers. And then also you had Astonishing X-Men, which really beefed up, you know, the, the, the X-Men side of stuff. So 2004 was a great year in terms of comic books. Um, so yeah, this, this, this episode is very near and dear to my comic book heart because yeah, this is what, this is what started us. And it's funny because Marvel saw the success of identity crisis and they actually had a commission. They were going to do a, what if Avengers identity crisis, they were going to do it. Wow. They had to pull the plug because obviously it's like, well, Hey, wait a second. (laughs) That's our book. You can't steal my idea. (laughs) So it's funny that even they, you know, they wanted to play Imagine If back in the day. They're like, oh, that's such a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say they just hire Brad Metzer and come, have him come in and write a new uh, murder mystery for them. Oh, could you imagine? Yeah, like if, if DC could totally, you know, steal Brian Michael Bendis and be like, all right, we're going to give you the JLA. So what are you going to do? And then, yeah, have Brian Michael Metz or Brian Metzer come in and, and totally write an Avengers murder mystery. Oh, man, that that would be physical proof of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh there you go folks another issue to be placed in your your long box uh and uh cherished for all time uh but uh next week we we should come back with a another what if or not a what if but i'm sorry a character 101 uh i believe we're gonna do Ka- uh, rick flag jr from the suicide squad so if you've watched nice. suicide squad you might want to learn a little bit more about rick flag and uh where he comes from so uh make sure to tune into that uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, Chris, you can find yourself or they can find you. Uh, yeah, they can find me on the Twitters. I'm stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. So definitely hit me up if you want to chat up some comic books, talk about some stuff. Um, you can find us both always on the Facebook. That's right. Facebook, you just look, uh, just search for Geek Elite Radio. Uh, then you can also check out geekeliteradio.com, our website for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. But until next time, I have to say this has been Imagine If on the Geekly Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.